Hello and welcome to this edition of the Maryland Baseball Network Podcast. I'm Liam Bietis here. We are just a couple of weeks away from that first pitch. Again, we are so happy that you are joining us here. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. You can follow us for live updates and tweets on Twitter at MDBaseballNet. You can like us on Facebook. And again, you can keep up with all of our coverage on our website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. We have a great show for you here today. We're going to break down what the conference is going to look like, the position battles within the team, and Taylor Bloom, the ace of the staff, is going to be joining us shortly again to talk about this 2017 season. We have a great show for you. Thank you for tuning in. So for the first part of this Maryland Baseball Network podcast, I'm going to give you a quick schedule breakdown of some of the ranked opponents that Maryland will be facing throughout the season. Their first ranked opponent comes February 18th in Clearwater, Florida in the Clearwater Tournament, and that will be a Saturday night game against number 12 Louisville, where they will face off against one of the nation's best prospects, Brendan McKay, who was drafted in the second round of 2014 to the San Diego Padres, the six foot two lefty is certainly known for his bat and his all-around play. Some of the other ranked opponents they will face, they will face at the end of February, Louisiana State and Baton Rouge. Taylor Bloom is certainly looking forward to that matchup. You'll hear him in the upcoming part of this podcast. LSU is ranked fifth best in the nation, and they have one of the best starters in the country. And again, that's Alex Lang, one of the best right-handers, top five right-handed starting pitchers in the country. And following that three-game set against Louisiana State, they will travel to Cary, North Carolina, where they will play in the USA Baseball Irish Classic. And the first matchup of that three-game tournament will be against North Carolina State, who is ranked sixth best in the country and highlighted by shortstop slash third baseman Joe Denand, who is not only one of the best prospects in the country, according to Baseball America, but is also Alex Rodriguez's nephew. So being a star on the left side of the infield is certainly nothing new for him and the Rodriguez family. Later on in the season, come March, on Tuesday, March 14th, Maryland will play in a one-game midweek series against North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And that is a big series because North Carolina is ranked ninth in the country. Again, these rankings are are by D1Baseball.com. Again, that one-game series coming against North Carolina. And again, North Carolina just one of the few ranked opponents that Maryland will play. The ACC dominated the early rankings thus far. They had seven of the top 25 teams. Again, we already talked about North Carolina State and Louisville. Maryland won't play Clemson, Virginia, and Miami, but those are some of the other teams that were ranked from D1 America's top 25 ranking. Just two weeks after Maryland takes a trip down to Chapel Hill, they will be going to Wilmington, North Carolina, where they will play two games at UNC Wilmington, March 21st and March 22nd. Last year, UNC Wilmington went 41-19, and but weren't ranked this season. They squeak in at number 24, and that will round up all of the ranked opponents Maryland will play. Maryland themselves is number 22 after finishing last year unranked following a 30-27 and 27 season. To view the entire schedule, you can go to the Maryland Baseball Network, click on the Schedule slash Results tab, and look at Maryland's entire 2017 baseball schedule. And now on this next portion of the Maryland Baseball Network, we welcome Taylor Bloom, a junior Maryland starting pitcher here in this rotation. He's been a mainstay the last couple of years in the Maryland pitching staff. Last year, he went 6-5, and five with a 2.46 ERA, throwing 100 innings, was named 
to the All Big Ten third team. Taylor, how's everything going? Great. Just uh, glad to be on break, get a little break, uh, but I'm excited to get back to College Park soon. Did you have any good plans this holiday season and winter break? Not really, just hanging out with family mostly. Don't get to see him uh, too much, even though. I mean, I don't, I don't live that far away, about 45 minutes away, but I don't really get, uh, get that much chance to come home family and stuff, so good to see him every day. Awesome, yeah, we're certainly going to talk about this uh, Maryland-loaded pitching staff, but right now we're about a month away from the regular season. How are you feeling about 2017? Yeah, um, about a month away. Uh, I'm excited to go down to Florida, uh, start up there, that'd be pretty cool, and then uh, LSU the next, the next week after that, so it's a pretty, uh, pretty big challenge first two weeks. Last year, you were a sophomore. You became a mainstay in the rotation, even worked your way up as a Friday starter. How different was it for you starting uh, starting pitcher, you know, pitching as a freshman from your freshman year to your sophomore year? Um, I'd say confidence is probably the biggest thing. Um, I, I think every freshman has a, has those freshman jitters. Uh, my first few outings weren't, weren't too good. I mean, not okay, but not too, uh, not too bad. Not like... Not my best, obviously, and then uh, obviously getting the pitch in the Big Ten Championship my freshman year, um, not doing too well there, and then uh, obviously throwing the UCLA final my my freshman year uh, and winning that was a huge confidence builder. Going into like my freshman summer and stuff, and then uh, obviously coming back from my sophomore year, it was just confidence was at all time. Just never really went back down after the success I had. Is there someone who you can say really helped you with that confidence building? Was was there a, a mentor during that period that helped you boost from where you were, say, pre Michigan game to post UCLA game? I said Bellinger definitely helped out a little bit when he was here. Um, I've been on that confidence, um, having success on a big stage like that really helps out. Now, in last year's rotation, you pitched alongside Mike Schwarn and the yearbook 4-2, and he was one of the best pitchers in the nation week in and week out. What was it like to work alongside him? Uh, I mean, it was, it was great. Obviously, uh, Mike's a huge name and everything. Um, kind of tough to follow him up on, uh, on Saturdays. Obviously, I was the Saturday guy last year, and he was Friday. Um, but, I mean, I just try and go out there and just, after his good performance, just try and uh, Try and top him. Um, just trying to just go out there and do me, give a good performance. Now, even Schwarren struggled at times throughout the beginning of this season, but he was able to get back to his usual self. Did you take anything from his turnaround or anyone else on the staff that you could use to possibly work out of a cold spell? Um, not really. I mean, I just try and mainly worry about myself. Um, obviously, like a if he asked me, like, if he, like, if he saw something or something, I'd try and help him out. But uh, I mainly just try and stick to stick to what I was doing, stick to my routine, not try and change anything. Now, looking at this upcoming season, Maryland hasn't announced who the official ace of this rotation will be, but it's clear that Maryland has two right now in their arsenal. How competitive are you and Brian Schaefer with each other to be the top dog of the starters? I mean, not really. Um, we kind of had a little thing going last year, like, uh, we would always try and up one each other on the weekend, but I mean, me and him are best friends, and there's no, like, there's no bad competition going there, it's just kind of like a fun game, 
last year, just trying to better each other. And do you feel that, you know, knowing that the other guy is there, do you feel that he makes you a better pitcher? Absolutely. I, I, I'd say we're similar, but I'd say I'd also I'd say not, like we're two different pitchers. He's kind of more of a power, power uh, fastball slider guy, and I'm more of like a control, uh, control fastball changeup guy. But I think we're two different pitchers going back to back, so worked out pretty good. Now, you and Schaefer are both from Maryland. Sophomore Hunter Parsons, who's going to be in that mix for the Sunday spot, is from Southern Maryland. You bring in Tyler Blum, who is an incoming freshman, one of the best high school pitchers in not only the state but the country. What does it mean for the program to keep the best recruits in state, and how does it impact the future of Maryland baseball? Uh, I think it's great to keep the hometown, hometown guys uh, coming to Maryland. I mean, what uh, Coach Jeff tries to do is get all the get all the now let's talk about the past few months. The coaching staff did not have you or Schaefer pitch in the Fall World Series, but Coach Fecto let us know in the last podcast that you guys were certainly working. What were some of the things that you've been working on during the fall weeks to get better? I mean, me and Schaefer and a couple of guys uh, like Parsons and Blum, we were shut down for like the uh, the fall scrimmages and stuff. But um, what we were like, what it doesn't matter we were trying. We were just focused on getting our bodies stronger and stuff like that, giving our arms right and stuff. We threw a lot of season. Even uh, Parsons like threw a lot of long through a lot of high school season and threw a lot in the summer season. So just giving our arms a break and stuff. Um, just getting our bodies stronger, and then uh, towards the end, we started to we're starting to build up, um, getting building up towards the season. Uh, throwing bullpens right now, so it's just a steady build up of the season. <clears throat> and Coach Fecto, the new pitching coach, gushed about having both you and Schaefer at the top end of his rotation again on last month's podcast. What has it been like to work with the new pitching coach? Yeah, uh, I said we all, every guy on the a great guy to work with. Uh, we're, we're just really, really glad he's uh, part of our program now. And again, we're talking with Taylor Bloom, one of the starting pitchers on this Maryland staff. Who have been some of the guys who have really impressed you during the offseason? Uh, I'd probably have to say uh, A.J. Lee had a really good, uh, really good fall. He um, dropped a whole bit last year offensively uh, when he got his chances, but um, he really killed it this fall, and he kind of burst out of his shell a little bit since he struggled a little bit last year offensively, but uh, he really killed it this past fall, so I'm excited to see, see him there uh, during the season, as well as um, Tyler Blum, as big as his name is and stuff, I'm excited to see what he can do uh, at the college level. Now, Maryland's got a handful of incoming freshmen, and a lot of them at a very high level. This is an impressive Freshman class that Maryland is bringing in. Are there any others that have caught your eye? Um, I think uh, pitching wise, I think Blom's probably uh, the top guy there. But um, another one I'd say probably Elliot. His stuff. Uh, I, me and Schaefer like uh, charted all the Far World Series games, and uh, one thing we noticed is how good his stuff is. Um, 
uh, learn how to uh, contain his stuff and uh, be able to control better. But he, uh, his stuff is just so good, he's just got to learn how to use it. Looking forward at this year's schedule, are there any teams you are especially looking forward to face? Um, definitely LSU. Uh, that's probably our probably one of the bigger ones in the second week. I'm excited to go down there, go down to uh, Baton Rouge in front of a thousand people, so that'll be pretty cool. Now you've partly answered my next question, but you guys make a handful of really cool road trips. In addition to LSU, you guys play in a handful of tournaments. Is there any particular city or school that you guys are looking forward to visit, maybe in addition to LSU? Yeah, I think there's that one midweek game we go down to Chapel Hill. Um, I've been there before. I got there and stuff with Summer Ball and all that, but uh, obviously they're, they're a pretty good name. So, uh, I think going there for a midweek is pretty cool. And now looking at your team this year, last year you guys finished middle of the pack how do you think Maryland stacks up this year against the rest of the Big Ten? Uh, I think we were really young last year. Um, we didn't have the experience under our belt that we did like in the pre- previous year. <laughs> um, I think this year we have a lot more experience, obviously, with like me and Schaefer at the top of rotation and stuff, just bringing that like, better kind of thing, um, as well as position player-wise, like Kevin Smith, uh, Kevin Biondic, Zach Jankarski, just as main guys. Um, the experience that we all bring, I think, is going to really help us uh, work for a championship. This year, Kevin Smith was named as one of this year's top prospects in the country, even in the top 20. How how have you seen him growing throughout the years? Uh, I mean, he's a solid player. Uh, obviously, as a freshman, he was our starting one stuff, so uh, you could tell there were things coming from him. Uh, he's just progressively gotten better at all of his tools and everything of the years. Um, he's a really tough guy. I mean, I know he, he like, still fresh played through a shoulder injury and stuff, so um, he's just a good guy to have like that as a, as a that head guy in the uh, position player was. And now we're going to talk to the casual fan to wrap things up. Why should they be especially interested in Maryland baseball in 2017? It's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think we're definitely a program that's on the come up. Um, obviously, my freshman year was region super. Uh, and I think just last year was kind of just like, like I said, we didn't have that experience, but we had a good group of guys in the world. Or it's just, it's going to be exciting to watch what we can do this year. Um, talented squad, I think is all over. We're all buying in. We're all, we all have really good team chemistry and stuff. So. Um, I'm excited to see it all unfold together. Taylor Bloom, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of Maryland Baseball Network. Taylor, have a good one. Thanks. Now you just heard from Maryland starting pitcher Taylor Bloom, and he told us a little bit about some of the trips he's looking forward to seeing and a little bit about the team and the incoming freshman class. So we're going to take a deeper look at this Maryland baseball roster and more into the position battles as we have Joe Catapano, who is a writer for MBN. You can check out the rest of our staff on our website, but here is Joe with his breakdown of the roster. As you might have seen, we've started writing brief biographies on players based on their jersey numbers in a countdown to the upcoming season. But something we don't know for sure about each player is who exactly Coach Sheff will be putting on the field to start Game 1 in Clearwater, Florida. 
With some of last year's starters no longer in the program, there are some question marks regarding certain positions and key position battles still potentially up for grabs. We'll start at position number one, the pitcher. Last year, Coach Chef had three primary starters, all of which started at least 14 games. They were Taylor Bloom, Brian Schaefer, and Mike Schworn. No other Terp started more than five games for Maryland last season. With the departure of Schworn, who was 6-4 with a 3.18 ERA, the two returning primary starters are now junior right-hander Taylor Bloom, who was 6-5 with a 2.46 ERA last season, and junior right-hander Brian Schaefer, who was 8-3 with a 2.60 ERA. As for who Coach Chef will replace Schworn with, well, time will ultimately tell. However, there are some strong returning pitchers who can make a case for that third starting spot in the rotation. Sophomore right-hander Hunter Parsons started five games for the Terps as a freshman last season and earned his first win against Purdue in his first career start. Other than Maryland's primary three starting pitchers, Parsons' five starts were tied for the most with now senior left-hander Taylor Stiles. It's also important to mention that sophomore right-hander Cameron Ank made eight starts for the Amsterdam Mohawks this past summer, the most starts out of any Terp on their respective summer teams. Another interesting name could be freshman Tyler Bloom, who had a 2.07 ERA for the Baltimore Redbirds in the Cal Ripken League this past summer. Position number two, the catcher. There's four catchers on the Maryland roster, Nick Sieri, Justin Morris, Dan Maynard, and Ty Friedrich. Sieri made 53 starts last season, the fifth most of any position player on the team. However, a lot of that time was split between catching and the DH spot. It wouldn't be surprising if a similar situation plays out this season. When Sierra DH, it was Justin Morris who made most of the starts behind the dish with 34. Maynard started just six games, but did do some damage as a pinch hitter. Maynard's 306 batting average fares better than Morris's 194 and Sierra's 256. There could potentially be a battle for the position between Morris, Maynard, and maybe even freshman Ty Friedrich. There could also be a scenario where Sierra ditches the DH spot altogether, tightening the battle even more. We'll see what Coach Chef has in store at the beginning of the season. We'll move along for the infield for position number three, first base. The infield looks pretty set in stone for the most part. As a sophomore, Kevin Bionic started 56 games and 57 appearances last season. With a 278 batting average and five home runs last season, Bionic looks like he'll have the position locked up for another year, unless, of course, another player impresses the coaching staff in the offseason. Position number four, second base. Only two players started in every game they appeared in last season, one of them being second baseman Nick Dunn. He started a team-high 57 games as a freshman. Dunn hit an even 300 and was a perfect 3-for-3 three three on stolen base attempts last season, and over the summer, he hit 3-11 for the Brewster Whitecaps of the Cape Cod League. Dunn should be back at second base for a second straight year. We'll move to the hot corner for position number 5, third base. This position looks like it will be the only one that could still have a battle going on. The battle looks like it will come down to redshirt senior Brandon Gum or sophomore A.J. Lee. Gum played in just 11 games last season for George Mason due to an injury, but he did hit 304 with a home run in his limited action. As for Lee, he started 9 games and 19 appearances for Maryland in 2016. Our last infield position, position number 6, the shortstop. The only other player who started in every game he appeared in was shortstop Kevin Smith. There's a lot of buzz revolving around Smith going into the spring. He hit 259 last season with 8 home runs and 57 starts. Smith hit 301 for the YDU Red Sox of the Cape Cod League this past summer. We'll move along to the outfield for the last three positions. 
Last year's freshman phenom Marty Costas started 52 games, mostly all in left field. He was named to the 2016 Big Ten All-Freshman team, hitting a team high and a Big Ten freshman high nine home runs last season. He hit seven more home runs in 35 games this past summer for the Baltimore Redbirds. Costas is a likely candidate to return to left field. Position 8, center field. Junior Zach Jankarski didn't become an everyday starter until April for the Terps, making a total of 28 starts in 46 appearances. Last year player, this year coach, Anthony Papio, played most of the season in center field before the emergence of Jankarski, who hit 257 last season. Jankarski increased that average to 288 for the Sanford Mainers of the Cape Cod League this past summer. The last position, position number 9, right field. Madison Nickens played a lot of time in center and right field last year. At the end of the season, however, when Jankarski moved into the lineup in center, Papio moved over to right, sending Nickens into the DH position. Even though there's three familiar faces to the outfield this season, there are some guys that could have impressed the coaching staff in the fall and over the winter to maybe earn some playing time. Freshman outfielder Nathan Panzer played well in the Fall World Series games. Junior Jamal Wade started in four games last season, but played as both a fielder and a pitcher in the Northeast Collegiate Baseball League this past summer. And a third possible candidate could be Will Watson, who could also be in the conversation as he's listed as both an outfielder and an infielder on the team's website. Coach Chef mixed up the outfield from time to time last season, so it wouldn't be a total surprise to see a different outfield throughout the course of the season. With so many returning players, it looks like this year's starting lineup will feature many similar faces as last year's team. With that being said, however, anything can change from one year to the next depending on who gets better in the offseason. We'll see the first starting lineup of the year on February 17th when the Terps go up against Ball State in Clearwater, Florida. Back to you, Liam. Thank you so much, Joe. Again, that was Joe Catapano with that Maryland roster breakdown. You could check out the rest of his work and that preseason preview, again, that daily preview that he had mentioned in the earlier part of his segment on the Maryland Baseball Network website, MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Again, you can also donate to our GoFundMe page to help us bring you the best content of Maryland baseball that we have to offer. And now transitioning from the Maryland roster, we will go over to the rest of the Big Ten and see how the Big Ten is looking with Connor Newcomb. Connor? Thanks, Liam. The 2016 Big Ten baseball season had much more parity than it's had in a while. Regular season champion Minnesota won its first regular season title since 2010 with a conference record of only 16-7. and 16 was the least amount of wins for a regular season conference champion since Michigan State won the league with a record of 15-9 and back in 2011. Despite Minnesota's great season, the Gophers didn't take home the Big Ten tournament title. Instead, fourth-seeded Ohio State won the trophy in Omaha. They were the lowest-seeded team to win the tournament since 2007. Thankfully for Big Ten baseball fans, you may be able to expect the same level of parity in the conference in 2017. For Minnesota, it's going to be tough to repeat as regular season champions. The Gophers have lost four of their top five hitters from last season, including Big Ten Player of the Year Matt Fielder and first-team all-conference selection Austin Athman, who both left for pro ball after their junior seasons. The Gophers were also Miss Fielder on the mound, where he made 15 starts for them. On the pitching side, the team has also lost staff ace Dalton Sawyer and closer Jordan Jess, who were both drafted in June. Altogether, Minnesota will be without four batters who hit over 300 and two pitchers who were an integral part of the team's success last season. With all of the changes up in Minneapolis, the door to the top spot in the Big Ten could be opened for Nebraska. The Cornhuskers finished a half game behind Minnesota in the standings last season, but unlike the Gophers, they are returning almost all of their star players. Huskers two-way star Jake Myers is back for his junior season, 
after a sophomore season in which he hit 326 at the plate and posted a 1.42 ERA in nine starts on the mound. He will be joined again by junior first-team all-conference selection Scott Schreiber, who led the conference in slugging percentage and home runs in 2016. Nebraska will also bring back its top two starting pitchers from last season, Matt Waldron and Derek Burkamper, who both ranked in the top 15 in the conference in ERA. With the return of most of its crucial pieces from 2016, Nebraska could be the Big Ten favorite going into the 2017 season, as the team looks for its first conference title since joining the Big Ten. For the 2016 tournament champions, Ohio State, they could be facing the same problems as Minnesota. The Buckeyes have lost all six players who started at least 55 games for them last season, including all-conference first-teamers Nick Sergakis and Ronnie Dawson, who were both drafted in June. Both players hit over 330 in 2016 and helped Ohio State finish the year as the conference leader in home runs. The Buckeyes have also lost their top two starting pitchers, Tanner Tully and John Havard. OSU will have the toughest time replacing Tully, who led the Big Ten in innings pitched and posted a 2.59 ERA in 16 starts last season. Losing great players happens all the time in college sports, and that bug is hitting plenty of other teams in the conference. After winning the Big Ten tournament in 2015 and then just missing the NCAA tournament last season, Michigan could take a step back in 2017 due to the loss of some productive players. The Wolverines have lost three of their top four hitters, including first-team all-conference outfielder Cody Bruder. Bruder hit 372 last season and got on base at a 425 clip. UM is also losing outfielder Carmen Benedetti, who hit 326 at the dish but also contributed as a pitcher, where he posted a 2.45 ERA in 16 relief appearances last season. Along with the loss of outfielder Matt Ramsey, Michigan will have to deploy an entirely new outfield group in 2017. Benedetti, however, isn't the only pitcher that Michigan will be losing. Left-handed starters Brett Adcock and Evan Hill are both done with college baseball, and the loss of Adcock's effectiveness could really hurt the Wolverines. At 190, he allowed the second-lowest batting average to opposing hitters in the conference in 2016. Big losses this season are also coming for the Iowa Hawkeyes, who finished 8th in the regular season but made it to the Big Ten title game last year. The Hawkeyes have lost the three hitters who helped them on their tournament run in 2016. Senior outfielder Joel Booker was selected to the all-conference first team last season after batting 370 and finishing tied for the conference lead in hits. He provided the most punch in the Iowa lineup, but he was backed up by first baseman Tyler Payton and shortstop Nick Rossetti. Rossetti hit 305 and his success on defense helped him get named to the all-conference team. Payton hit 335 with a 412 on-base percentage and also made 12 starts on the hill for the Hawkeyes. The Iowa offense will struggle without their top three hitters from last season, but the team is bringing back its best starting pitchers, including junior Nick Gallagher, who posted a 2.57 ERA last season and should be the Iowa ace in 2017. Iowa will continue to have a solid rotation, but it may not have the talent to match Michigan State's rotation from 2016. The Spartans topped the Big Ten with a 2.75 ERA in 2016, but they will be losing their ace and their best reliever. As the leader of the staff, Cam Vio posted a 2.28 ERA while recording 77 strikeouts and only issuing 19 walks. He decided to forego his senior season and sign after the draft, as did Dakota Mekas, who was statistically the Big Ten's best reliever last year. Mekas pitched to a conference-best 1.74 ERA and recorded 96 strikeouts on his way to first-team all-conference honors. The Spartans will have most of their other pitchers back in 2017, just as they will have most of their offense back, except for infielder Jordan Zimmerman. Zimmerman's 374 batting average was second in the Big Ten and his 461 on base percentage ranked third. Zimmerman will be gone, but star infielder Dan Durkin will be back, and along with a solid staff, Michigan State should be able to compete in 2017.
Some teams, however, may be losing too much from last season to stay competitive this year. Among those teams are the bottom feeders of the conference from 2016, Illinois, Penn State, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Purdue. The Illini had some success in 2016, but most of it was due to starting pitcher Cody Sedlock. Sedlock pitched to a 2.49 ERA and recorded 116 strikeouts in 14 starts last season, and gave Illinois a chance to win every time he took the mound. His incredible strikeout ability led him to be picked in the first round of the MLB draft by the Orioles. The loss of Sedlock, along with the departure of senior catcher Jason Goldstein, who hit 312 last season, could be too much for the Illini to overcome, despite the return of most of their roster. Penn State finished a flat 500 in conference play last season, but they may not be so lucky in 2017. The Nittany Lions have seen maybe their five most productive players either graduate or leave for the pros. They lost solid hitters in Tyler Kendall, Greg Gewers, and Jim Haley, who each batted over 310, but Penn State will really miss the two pitchers who have moved on. Starting pitcher Nick Hedge graduated after posting a 2.44 ERA last season, and closer Jack Anderson was drafted by the Mariners after picking up 13 saves in 2016. The 2017 season could also be rough for Rutgers, who lost its top two hitters and its ace from last season. The Scarlet Knights saw the graduation of catcher R.J. Devish, who led the Big Ten with a 375 batting average and an absurd 524 on base percentage. Devish was a coach's dream, who drew 41 walks while only striking out 19 times, and without him, the Rutgers offense will not be too scary in 2017. Plus, with ace Howie Bray leaving for the draft, the Scarlet Knights could have a rough go of it in all facets of the game this year. The struggles may also be coming for Northwestern again this season. The Wildcats will have most of their lineup back, including 355 hitter Matt Hoffner, but pitching will yet again be the real issue. After finishing last in the conference in basically every pitching category last season, Northwestern may actually be getting worse on the mound after the departure of their only successful starter, Reed Mason. Mason's 3.89 ERA last year helped balance out some of Northwestern's pitching stats, but without him, this season could be a painful one for the Wildcats. There's also Purdue, who finished 2-22 in conference play in 2016. They didn't pitch well or hit well last season, but most of their starters were seniors. Their top pitcher, Matt Frawley, who pitched to a 2.78 ERA, was only a junior, but he decided to leave Purdue and start his pro career early. One way of thinking would say that a bad team losing most of their starting lineup makes them worse, but another way of thinking says that new players could mean new results for the Boilermakers in 2017, but I wouldn't count on it. On a lighter note for the conference, the most interesting team besides Maryland in 2017 may be Indiana. The Hoosiers finished 15-9 in conference play last season and are only losing one key position player. Indiana brings back productive hitters like Craig Didolo and Logan Sowers, who will help them compete in 2017. On more of a sour note for Indiana fans, the Hoosiers will be losing their entire weekend rotation. The 1-2 pitching punch of Kyle Hart and Caleb Barger was one of the best in the Big Ten in 2016, but the Hoosiers do have younger starters like sophomores Jonathan Seaver and Paulie Milto to take their place. Stever and Milto showed promise in their six combined starts last season, and if they continue to pitch well, Indiana will yet again be a dangerous team in 2017. It will be another interesting year in the Big Ten, but the conference should be wide open, which makes Maryland one of the favorites. If the Terps can handle business against the weaker teams, they should be able to make a splash in the conference and get back to the NCAA tournament. Back to you, Liam. And that will do it for this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. We'd like to thank Taylor Bloom so much for taking the time to talk with us. We'd also like to thank Connor and Joe for their contributions to this podcast. Again, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mdbaseballnet. You can donate to our GoFundMe page at gofundme.com slash mdbaseballnet. You can follow us on Twitter at mdbaseballnet. 
And again, you can keep up with all of our content throughout the year at MarylandBaseballNetwork.com. Thank you so much for tuning in.